So I'm looking at notes today and there's deceivingly it says six things, but each of the numbers has about 40 bullets underneath it. So (laughs) I'm going to just assume that we are not going to get to all of this today. Is that a fair assumption? We can be efficient. Well, I can't. I can be. Well, Martin's part will be fast and then ours will not be. Is there anywhere that you all would like to start in the grand grab bag of topics? Can we get the the messy thing that everybody else is talking about out of the way first, or should we save it? And that's Elon Musk. Let's do it now. Make it quick. I don't care. Next. People are mad. It's exactly the same as it always has been, and it will continue to be the exact same place that it's always been. Nothing will change. He'll get bored, sell it, or leave in a year. Done. You have no skin invested in this game, do you? No, I haven't been on Twitter in many, many years. So it's it's one of those things that I can truly say I don't care. I think it's unfortunate that the platform has as much power as it does in the world. How do you both feel about it? Are you Are you on the rage quit boat on the way out of there? Or do you have different opinions? No, I'm not on the rage quit bandwagon, at least at this stage. Um, I understand that. Elon's not everyone's favorite guy, although he is some people's favorite guy. So take that as you will. Um, I actually have and have always had a very positive Twitter experience. I understand that in the Trump years, it particularly wasn't great and that lots of people misuse it and that there's online abuse there. Like just about any network, it needs to be fixed. But I've never really seen many issues in my own feed. I don't have a huge number of people I follow from very news or political spheres. I have mainly friends, fellow podcast fans, and maybe, you know, a lot of academic connections from my uni stuff who are there. So I go in there, I see useful and funny things, and then I leave. Uh, And when the whole thing about Musk came along, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm not obsessed with this guy. I think he's the best, but I don't necessarily think the company's been managed super well. I certainly don't like all the ad stuff. That's why I use an app like Tweetbot to keep things chronological and ad free. So perhaps going private is a good thing. Maybe it'll be a shakeup. Maybe he's the best guy. Maybe he's not. I'm cautiously optimistic that something really useful will happen and that it will change for the better. And if it doesn't, then I'll leave. But I think a lot of people rage quitting could take maybe five minutes, see how it goes and then decide to leave if they don't like it. And I'm not trying to avoid saying anything controversial here. It's just, I don't know. People have views about Musk and That's the what biggest Twitter thing. is and what he's done, but let's just wait and see what he does. Yeah, it's not, nothing has happened. So what's the point in taking an action? And it, it just seems like you're taking an action based on nothing. If you want to leave, leave, go for it. If, the, if this is what it was needed for somebody to get out of something that was not good for them, perfect. Well, look, I've already rage quit Twitter. I've rage quit Twitter once once before. I lost my username. My at Canyon username got consigned to the dustbin of history. You should quit again so you can return and become Andrew Canyon 55 or something. Yeah, so I, this is my second attempt at Twitter with my at Andrew Canyon. Be like Martin, I don't really have any of the problems that people talk about with Twitter because really it's just a basketball forum for me and that was a concerted decision i made on returning to the platform i I thought i'm not going to go the 
all topics to all man approach this time. I'm going to be super focused and I'm going to use it just for my NBL basketball, which has worked out really nicely. And similar to Martin, he uses Tweetbot. I I use Twitterific. After using Tweetbot for a while, I switched over to Twitterific and bought that subscription. Very rarely use the actual official app because it's a, so I couldn't use Twitter full time if that was my experience. It's worse than Instagram for ads. So I don't get any of that with Twitterific and it's the only way to live. But even still, I mean, I, I can't stand Elon Musk. I think he's so frustrating. The way that he is so willing and able to just flaunt any rules that are put before him with like the SEC and those sorts of things, the amount of trading violations he's been guilty of. He's a massive pump and dumper of stocks. He's, and he's childish as well. Like the fact, the way with the price of Twitter, he started off, it was, you know, he ended up with a price of 54.20, getting in the 420 reference, which is like the, the uh, marijuana call sign in America, I think, for police. It's like he had to get that 420 in because he's such a dope fan. It's just like, it's so childish. And it just seems to me annoying that somebody who's so pathetic on so many levels has so much money and power and admiration and adulation. I think he's just not worth it. And now that he's going to have this platform, I worry for the future of the platform because he's going to think that he's the smartest guy in the room and will try and fix it. And I'm not sure that his attempts to fix it will be any better than what they've tried already. And in fact, I think it'll make it worse. So I'm hanging with Twitter for the moment, but I've got Discord instances cranked up. MBL is slowly moving to a Discord instance and I'm using Twitter a little bit less already, but I'm still there. YouTube Premium. Do either of you have it? I did at one point and I don't any longer... I can't believe it's so expensive, but I still have it for the purposes of sanity. Yeah, I added this to the notes because I thought at least one of you would have it. Uh, I only just signed up for it because I looked at it for the longest time and I thought, I'm not going to use this offline stuff very much. I certainly already have Apple Music and I'm not going to browse YouTube for my music. But my goodness, how many ads have I seen for Subway Southern style chicken on a foot long on my TV? I became so enraged every time I wanted to watch a YouTube video. I thought I have to, I have to give them money to stop this. I, I cannot bear this anymore. Isn't that the worst part where it's not even that it's ads. It's that it's the same stupid ad 50,000 times in a row. And all I can think is that's on purpose that they know either people will suffer through it or they will say, take my money. I don't want to see this stupid shampoo ad for the 75th time today that it's two ads at the beginning and then two ads in the middle of a relatively short video. So we've complained about ads before, but I thought for anyone else who's out there and is using YouTube and maybe just wasn't aware of YouTube premium or was thinking, is it worth it? It is expensive, as Andrew said, but I just wanted to say I've taken the plunge and just over the past week or whatever that I've had it, it's significantly improved my existence because one of the things that I've noticed in TV viewing since we no longer really use a plug-in TV aerial, what is it, coaxial cable in the wall, everything's pretty much filtered through Apple TV. And I like it that way. But I'm finding increasingly I'm sitting down using the YouTube app to browse various subscriptions and channels that I, that I follow. And the ads for these videos are worse to my recollection than any broadcast ad breaks that I had to sit through when I was a kid. 
And I thought, I can't believe that we have this internet capability and I have to sit through this. So yeah, turning that whinge into a positive, if you want to avoid ads in your life, just even if it's begrudgingly, give money to Google, improve your life and know that when you hit that little Apple TV selection button or use anything else on another device, the video that you will that you requested will actually appear in front of your face and not Subway Southern Style Chicken Sub. Yeah, I, I, I found when buying it, it was a case of I'm buying back my time and the time of my family as well, because it, how much is that time worth? And exactly. your frustration and annoyance that we just want to quickly see how, I just want to quickly see how to p- fix my pool filter. I don't want to have to watch three ads before I do that because I'm standing outside of the shed getting frustrated. Don't frustrate me more. But Martin, the other thing, I need to give you a word of warning. Okay, so you need to prepare yourself because over time- Please. You won't want to buy a family pack of Google pre- uh, YouTube Premium. You just won't want to. You look. You think this, this single user thing is expensive? Try looking at the family pack. It's ridiculous. So what you'll do is you'll realize when Mac wants to watch videos, just use my account. Okay? I've got two kids. Do you know what happens to your YouTube algorithm when you get two kids stuff pumped in? That's not good. And whenever the presenter says, like and excribe, they do it. So, your subscriptions yeah. oh. <laughs> are basically rendered meaningless, okay? I have to scroll so far down to find, like, where's my Perth Wildcats press conference subscription thing? Because it's buried <laughs> under pages and pages of Roblox and even Gamer TV and all mm. these sorts of things. It's a disaster, but I'm also not going to pay extra money to Google. They can get one subscription and I'm willing to suffer the pain because also my children, I don't want them getting brainwashed <laughs> by bazillion ads and they appreciate the experience as well. So just a word of warning, brace yourself. Enjoy it while it's pure. Yeah, I think the way I use YouTube, I don't really browse it very often, if at all. I have a lot of subscriptions in YouTube which all feed into YouTube DL for me that then download, put the thumbnail on and throw it into Plex. So when I want to go watch any of my you quote YouTube videos, it's just all within Plex. There's no ads or anything in there because it's just the video and it pulls whatever is the highest quality version that they've uploaded. So in that sense, that's why I stopped YouTube premium. I used to have it, but after I realized all I'm really doing is looking at stuff that I'm subscribing to in Plex anyway, and I had premium just on the off chance that I I viewed a video, I didn't want to see ads, that didn't become worth the $14.99 or or whatever it is a month. Um, But in the other two ways that you guys are using it, I can see that being... uh, being a value if you don't want to do a stupid nerdy setup of having this whole like server run with youtube dl and download stuff and transcode into plex and all that crap you just want to open the youtube app and not see an ad then yeah people who are a part of the one prime plus club they recently got another episode and it was excellent it was 18 minutes, maybe 53 seconds. I can't quite remember. 18, 18. Deliberate. It's so much fun. One Prime Plus, you'll hear things that are probably not not necessarily appropriate for the main feed. You're getting slightly different content. You're getting, you're getting I wouldn't say it's a higher quality of content. I don't want to go so far as to say that. It's a different brand. Is it fair to take that old big brother kind of brand name and call it like HV Uncut? Or no, that's probably a little bit too explicit. 
I will give you a line from one of my favorite movies of all time and see if you can get it. You won't because it's obscure. It's a different brand. It's a different quality of product. Now, do I tell you or do I just leave it in the ether and let people play a game? I think you just leave it. And then there's going to be like 1.6 people out there that are like, oh, that's that one movie, Avatar. All right. Someone gets a prize if they get it. Is that right? Andrew will send them a burned copy with Sharpie written on it of that said film because it's probably public domain. I love the HomePod. I'm so glad I bought a HomePod. I wish I'd bought more of them. Which one? Original. Because when you listen to the HomePod versus the HomePod Mini, oh my goodness, the sound between the two of them, it's night and day. And I look at the HomePod Mini and I think, you little guy, you suck. That's a bit strong. And I go back to the HomePod and I and I invoke our uh, digital assistant on the big one and she thinks and waits and goes slow. And I think, you sound good, but you're very slow. I wish there was a new version of you. There's all this rumor stuff about like a soundbar version, which is merged with the Apple TV to make this home kit hub with a center stage camera and blah, blah, blah. Um, sounds great and interesting. I mean, there's other questions about putting cameras in the living room and having it attached to a screen and the idea of a Norwellian big brother and so on. Mild caution about that one. Uh, my kind of angle about it was more about a word family, right? I was thinking about in the Steve Jobs days, if we think about another product called pod, like an iPod, something you heard frequently in keynote presentations was the iPod family. There was a range of different devices and Apple's iPod family was successful because it broke beyond this initial white product that only connected to a Mac through Firewire and became this suite of big screen and small screen and no screen devices that fit different use cases and preferences. And I know that we're dealing with a much more different, much larger Apple now, but I look at that HomePod product that they released, which I love and have in that stereo pair in my lounge room right now. And I think, did you actually give it enough time to extend it? And then Andrew, you brought up the HomePod mini, which seems like a family building product, but was given that moniker as they were removing the big one. So it's a mini of a thing that doesn't exist that stands by itself. So I wanted to know if you you two agree with this, if you have another thought, do you think the HomePod just needed more time? And if they had released it as a family at the beginning and actually marketed it as kind of like airport was, or the iPod was, or now the iPhone with multiple models, that it would have been more successful. They put too much stuff into that one early thing and thought this is going to be big. It was the worst time of Apple when they had the whole, they were doing the butterfly keyboards and they were trying to supply chain efficiency, the whole thing. Yeah. And it would just seem like they wanted to minimize their skews so much that if something wasn't a, a blow away hit, as Tim Cook would probably call it, they just ditched it. And I think if they had their time over again, or if the management team was different, they would keep it and they would reinvest in it and make it a better thing and give it more time. So the current Apple, I think, would have a do-over. I think that Apple stuffed up massively. Um, and so I hope that they are willing to sort of put the tail between the legs and re-release a HomePod 2, a big guy. Because I think I think now they are starting to realize, oh, this thing is actually pretty good and it is fairly unique in the market. And there's a, a loyal cadre of buyers out there that will buy the thing. And it may not be massive, but like you say, as a family, you have a, you know the, home, the HomePod bar, you have the HomePod normal you have the home pod mini you know you have the home pod portable like chuck batteries in it and compete with 
Logitech or whatever. I think I think they need to find they need to find more growth avenues. I mean, at the moment we saw their results come through, and it's all services growth, and that's mathematically natural that it would happen because we're all subscribing to things. But they don't have any new growth avenues, and the stock market won't appreciate that. Uh, I think there's like a few different issues that I think got us to where we're at. One is that the marketplace in general, the bar is set at good enough. So when you look at the other things that it's quote competing with good enough is going to win when it's $49 or whatever. So I think the price was one thing that was potentially an issue given that it was, was it three ninety nine? It was 500 in Australia. Oh, so even more. Okay. But yeah. So I think the price was, was something where regardless of what it was, people are going to fall back to why is this 500 and this is $49. So that's one thing. The other piece is that it's so heavily reliant on an entire other technology being Siri, which hasn't had the strongest of... I guess support I could say from users. So when you when you have this five hundred dollar thing and you're saying you can only deal with it via this other thing that maybe you're you're not so hot on to begin with, that's not super great for it. And I think the other piece is um, it's an audio product for your home, which I don't think. And I could be completely wrong, but I don't know if that's really that important of a product to most consumers. The the it's if you take like a, a hierarchy of importance to a person, probably phone mobile device in your pocket is going to be way up at the top. Then maybe something like an iPad or a computer. Then you have this audio only. All it does is audio device. I just don't think that's that high of a priority for almost all consumers if they could make a new home pod a new home pod maxi that had a couple of audio inputs just just to enable it to plug better into a system keep basically the sound profiles yeah. i don't care don't, you don't need to add equalizers maybe it's something in software but i don't really care but just make it a little bit more integrated so that you it's not a dead-end product like because now if anything goes wrong with it or if Siri changes, or if they stop updating software, it's dead. It will stop working. And that's the biggest problem with it. I would not at all be surprised to see the big HomePod come back as a HomePod studio, right? Given all the things that are going on right now. So I, I think a HomePod studio makes a lot of sense as like a, a monitor. You know, you have the big monitor speakers on your desk or whatever. I could see that being a thing. I get sad for my HomePod every time I look at it because I feel like it's on death row. And I love it so much. And I and I want I use it more than I think I should just because I want to use it while it works. And that's a sad indictment on the whole situation, I think. I fully expect there to be something that I will want to replace it with before it stops working. Given how long I've had laptops and iPads that just keep going. I, I don't think there's an issue. Had the mini come out and been that thing like the kind of airplay tour around the house or semi-portable Sonos equivalent thing that you could just put in any room. Cool. But then the HomePod had actually been marketed as more of an accessible uh, cable-free home theater alternative. It would have been a very different story because the way I have it set up is with stereo pair connected to an Apple TV. And that's how I've had it since I've moved into this place. And I've sent a lot of things online from people who went, oh, 
wow, it actually sounds cool as a stereo pair. They didn't really click. They thought this is too expensive. I'm just going to stick with the one and then discovered it after the fact. If Apple had, and they're never going to do this, but if they had sold a bundle or a box that had two HomePods and an Apple TV in it and market it not as a kind of standalone Apple Music thing, but here is an entire home theater in a box that costs a fraction of that gigantic amplifier thing with cables. I reckon people would have flocked to buy it. Yeah, even if it wasn't a physical bundle, just a display that's saying like, sure. here's what- They you had need. rooms for them. Yeah, exactly. Like they'll never do a bundle in the traditional bundle sense. That's not their thing. But I could see that being a a little section in the store of the, the two- the two speakers, the Apple TV, and then all that crap right underneath. So you just scoop it up, give them $50,000 and leave. Media Corner. There was a whole era where backtracking was considered this work of the devil wasn't that the satanic panic yes yep and it was it's, um one of my one of the songs i really liked as a child was another one bites the dust which is one of the very famous ones for having mm. it mm. because if you listen to that backwards it says it's fun to smoke marijuana sorry i know what you're talking about now when you sorry when you said backtracking i was like what just going back to hear what you said yeah it was much more difficult when you had vinyl but it was uh if you played it backwards certain songs would have other lyrics masked and it was the work of the devil so there you go everybody that's the first bit of media corner taken care of new game on nintendo switch called kirby not the full title but benjamin became addicted to the kirby demo that we down- uh, downloaded for him and he played that over and over probably 10 times just playing that demo he played like played through the whole demo multiple times wow he loved it so much i thought i have to get this so i bought the game I was so excited. He saw it and he was so he was so excited that he was blown away, but then he didn't want to waste it. So he said, oh, thanks, Dad. That's amazing. But I think I'll just keep playing the demo. I finally convinced him that it's okay. You can play the real game and you won't use it up. You know, it, it's there's enough content there that you'll keep mm-hmm. going. And I think he just knew where he was at with the demo. He knew how to play it. He was really good at it. <laughs> um, got him the full game. He played that for a day or two. Uh, hasn't touched it since. I played it. I think it's really fun. I'm not much of a gamer in terms of platform games, but it reminds me of the Mario, whatever the Mario 3D World games are, the more recent Odyssey. It's really cool, really fun, uh, and not too difficult, and it has difficulty settings, which is awesome for somebody like me. Well, it's two-player too, right? So couldn't you guys play it together? (laughs) I couldn't be bothered at the time, but I need to probably pull that out and try two-player. Yeah, there's a co-op mode, so you can both do it together. And then if he's not feeling it, you can have him do the easy part yep. and you do yeah, the maybe that's progression part. Because um, I saw that and thinking he, he's going to want to be Kirby. This Kirby, he's, he's cute, he's pink, he's a giant mouth. Although I'm saying he, Benjamin, is convinced that Kirby is a she. From day dot, he's been referring to her as a, sh- as a she. Who am I to argue? So Kirby on Nintendo Switch, get around it. It's a good game. Well, I can I can second that. It is a very, very good game. I am unable to second or third that, but I trust you. What's next? A TV series that was recommended to us through the Discord, Hemispheric Views Discord. There's so much recommendations flying through that Discord channel, the Media Corner Discord channel. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff goes through there and my list just keeps growing and it's it's I love it, but it's like 
Oh, God, I'm, I'm running out of time here. Well, the one that I saw recommended was a show called Upright. And the reason it jumped out at me is because it's an Australian show. It features Tim Minchin, who may be known to people. And some of the filming was in Perth. So I thought, well, I've got to get around this and see what's going on. Oh, wow. Well, anything with Perth in it, you're in. Yep. That's the problem. Whenever you see a TV show that's filmed in Perth, you spend your whole time not watching the show, but trying to figure out exactly where the filming location was. Well, because it's about a road trip across Australia, isn't it? So that's the destination. And they travel across the Nullarbor, meet interesting characters along the way, all in in an effort that, that Tim Minchin's character, Lucky, is trying to get a piano back to home while his mother is rapidly dying. He's driving the piano all the way across... The- and, he, and then he, 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 he teams up with a young girl who's also trying to get a, across the country. It's a really fun show. Every episode has hijinks. It's got good Australian humor. It's got good Australian music in it. It's heartwarming, but thoughtful. Really good show. And I think it's been renewed for a season two. So I don't know how they'll build on because it seemed to wrap up quite neatly. But they seem to have plans for a season two. I have two questions then with Upright. A, how many times did the phrase old mate come up, if at all, as I'm sure you were counting? And also, was it very clear that they were getting closer to Perth as they were going throughout the episodes because the occurrences of high viz increased throughout okay. the entire I show? I think there might have been an old mate. I think there might have been one, perhaps, right? In terms of high-vis, there was a lot of high-vis through the show. And I would argue that, yes, it probably did increase because there was an episode around the Kalgoorlie area and there was high-vis, definite high-vis there. And Kalgoorlie is part of Western Australia. They have some big holes there. Mm, they do. So I think, yes, uh, high-vis occurrences did increase as we reached WA. So checks out. It's true to, true to itself, true to Australia. Oh, and the other th- one other thing about the show, and I mentioned this in the Discord, uh, is that one of the actors that turned up in one of the episodes, yeah, I've, I've met and spoken to a number of times. So, checks out in terms of just Perth. Well, it's just Perth people. Everybody in Perth knows everybody by, by maybe one or two degrees of separation. Perth-finality. So, again, checks out. Do you think Nick Tan knows him too? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Nick Tan knows Nick Tan's knows everybody. He gets them all in the hot tub tan machine. But even if people don't watch Upright, they should definitely look into Tim Minchin in general and particularly a song about Sam's mum. I'll let people look that up. Or they could just click on the entry in the show notes because our show notes are the best show notes. That's where I would go. Better show notes. Whenever you hear a show that says, oh, you'll find it in the show notes and you look in the show notes and it's not actually there, no mention of it whatsoever, you'll never have that problem with hemispheric views. Best show notes in the business, underappreciated, underrecognized. We deserve more credit. I don't I don't feel like anyone probably ever looks at them, but I like to think that they do. Well, my movie recommendation has the title, which actually is a perfect description of our show notes, and that is Everything Everywhere All at Once. All right. Tie-ins. That's the show notes experience. God, it's for like this show. if there was anything we were good at, it's tie-ins. <sighs> That's right. Anyway, I'm not going to bang on about this movie and spoil things. Have either of you two seen it? No, I have not seen it yet. I have not seen it, but I think I want to see it. Well, can I tell you, Natasha and I went to see it at the movies. Uh, We had a Mac-free evening. He was under the care of very generous relatives. And this movie is excellent. It's creative. 
Um, it has a great diverse cast. For anyone who doesn't know what it is, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm not going to spoil it. This is just the basic premise. Um, it's a movie about the multiverse. So, we're talking about parallel or fragmenting or interconnected universes based on different decisions that you make or turning points in your life or happenings, right? In a, in a broad sense. And the story is simply about um, a woman, uh, a Chinese-American woman who operates a laundromat with her family. She's being investigated by the IRS because she incorrectly filed her taxes. And in the procedure of visiting the IRS, she has a kind of multiverse experience which reveals the true nature of the universe or universes to her. And she has to solve a problem. Um it's creative. It kind of has this feel that borrows simultaneously from the kind of, I suppose, uh, Chinese or Kung Fu borrowings of The Matrix filtered back into a movie with Asian actors in it, which is great. But it also bo- borrows, and again, universes are different from dreams, but the kind of layering or simultaneous effects of Inception It's sci-fi, it's comedy, it's family drama, it's all smooshed together, the music's great, and the whole thing's kind of tongue-in-cheek and ridiculous. So, if you're looking for a movie that's fun, action-packed, takes itself seriously, but also doesn't take itself seriously, this is an awesome movie. I have a question. Everybody that has been- Everybody that has been talking about this movie, there's kind of one theme that I keep hearing, and that that is- if you're ever going to go see a movie in a theater, this is yes. the one you should do. So yes. I'm going to, okay. So clearly another plus one. Um, I'm not going to a theater. Sorry. It's not happening. I'm going to watch this at home in my home theater. What, what am I going to, is, do you think, do you think it's going to be that different of an experience or is it just going to be different? Um, look, I think when people say that they're obviously talking about the size of the screen and that whole thing, sure, you don't have to have that. But I think my point would be that it is a movie that you want to be highly invested in, turn the lights off and not have interruptions or be checking your phone while you're watching it. That's the, that's the message. That's all movies at our house for sure. It's, there's no like casual watch. If we're watching a movie or watching a movie, I, I, I just couldn't stop thinking that everybody kept saying this because it's been two and a half years since anybody has seen a movie outside of their home. And most people don't like go all in on a home theater crazy system. Mm. So it was like to see a movie in the theater was just epic anyway. So I was just curious if, if it really has something to do with this movie or it's just like people were super excited to see a movie in the theater again that had like proper sound and lighting and all that stuff look i mean i'm really glad that i went to a cinema to see it because i think it's uh the sound was very cool the music's interesting and it's really a visual spectacle and when you look at this multiverse or these various universes that explores they have different looks or because of the decisions that have led to their existence, there's a different style to each of them. So having that size on a screen really immerses you perhaps a bit more. But yeah, as long as you have a distraction for environment, it's cool. If you watch it at home on your OLED, who's it with your your fancy pods? Mm. Still good, I'm assuming. Absolutely. You, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to ask, does it mess with your head the way Inception messes with your head? Like, do you get caught up? In, with multiverses and timelines and all those sorts of things. 
I wouldn't say in a way that disturbs you or if you pay attention and you have no distraction, as I said, uh, you can follow it and it all makes sense. So it's not out to trip you up or make you feel stupid, um, but it does make you think in the sense of, hmm, if I had done that thing differently in my life, what would it be like now? It actually thinks uh, makes you think quite reflexively or personally. More like sliding doors than inception, perhaps. Oh, well, yeah, but that's another thing. So, I say inception because of the presentation of simultaneous elements, but sliding doors is a perfect example in terms of what if I had done that. I'm more interested in it now than I was before because I hadn't read much about it because I didn't want to spoil myself, but I had the impression that it was more like a superhero kind of movie somehow. So, it's not that. There's elements to that too, I suppose, but not in the Marvel sense. No, not like that. No, it's, it's multiverse, not Marvel Cinematic Universe. Different. Yes, I think I think that actually does trip me up. Not to mention a bigger word nowadays is probably metaverse. We don't hear the end of that. So, oh, there's all kinds of connotations flying around. Yeah, it's not metaverse and it's not Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's multiverse. Just like multipass from Fifth Element, but a multiverse. Also, I did have several people tell me, do not watch the trailer because it does not do it. It doesn't make you want to see the movie. So, I've just kind of avoided the trailer as well. It's such a big concept for a movie that to shoehorn it into a minute is unfair and to show it at three minutes gives away too much, but then ah. still doesn't give you a vibe. You know what I mean? So, just just see it. Don't ruin it for yourself. You can check back in and tell me if you liked it. I've added it to the, the Apple TV queue thing, so it'll tell us when it's available to to rent or buy or whatever. Um, I guess that's me now. Uh, I've got two. I'll go quick, like Andrew. Uh, the first one was an involuntary movie watch called Midnight in Paris from 2011. Starring, uh, it's a Woody Allen movie, if anyone cares about that. Um, starring Owen Wilson. I mean, what more do you need than that? Woody Allen and, and Owen Wilson. It was weird. Have either of you seen this, first of all? No. Yeah. It's very, very weird. It was uh, it was the kind of movie that's recommended to you because the person somewhat misremembered what the actual movie was actually like. So, when they were sitting there with you watching it, it was kind of a, this is not how I remember this going. <laughs> so, it was, uh, I kind of like the premise of it, honestly. I don't. I didn't really have a strong affinity for anyone in it per se. And I, I don't Woody Allen means nothing. I don't, I'm not like, Oh, Woody Allen movies are the best or I, oh, I can't stand. I don't care. It's what he's somebody. He's a person. He directed it. Great. But I kind of, I almost want to recommend it to people to watch purely just based on the premise. I, I thought it was kind of a cool premise and seeing if you're very into uh, writing, literature, art, history, I think it would mean a lot more to you knowing who all of these characters are and kind of having this romanticized view of what they're like, having obviously never met them. And now you're kind of meeting them in this movie. So I, I won't say much more than that, but it was a, it was an interesting movie. It's definitely one that I never would have watched just on my own if it had come up on Netflix or, or whatever your streaming service of choice is. But I'm kind of glad that I saw it, even though it was very weird. So I would, I kind of feel like Martin would like it. I think he would be really into it. It might not be enough. It might not be an art house enough for Martin, actually. 
That's the thing. I think it might be a little too pedestrian. Yeah. A bit too pandering to Hollywood. But I think the idea... Yeah, I think so. It's like they're writing it for like you and I when yes. really they should have written it for him and it yeah. would have like landed so well. Just backtracking a few seconds. Yes, uh, go ahead, Satan. My favorite thing is how you said, it's a weird movie. I think Martin would really like it. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I think e. you would. Martin is weird. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, this is what, episode 57? I think we're fully aligned on that, right? That, that seems clear to everyone. So yeah, Midnight in Paris. Um, check it out. And the next one I have, doubly quick, quicker than Midnight in Paris, um, is a game. I'm going to bring a game into this to, to fully bookend this with Kirby. Tiny Room Stories, colon, Town Mystery. It is a, I would call it a procedural escape room. I don't know if that's really wow. accurate, but it's a story, but it's set in scenes that you can't leave. And it's it's like an escape room where you're you're spinning the scene around to sequentially discover things to pass that section. So you need to maybe spin a room around to find out that behind a book, there's a key that you need to get into this other room. So it's that kind of puzzle procedural discovery thing. And if you like that, I think it's, it's, it's a fun little game and you can kind of do one scene, leave, come back do another scene. So you don't have to really play the whole game all, all in one go. Um, yeah, it's, it's on the iPad. It's on steam and maybe a few other places. I think it's on Android as well. I initially downloaded it on Steam to play it on my Mac, and there's some bug where it comp- it said I beat the game when I installed it, and I got all the achievements just as soon as I launched it, and I can't seem to reset it. So that now I've purchased it on the iPad as well, and I'm playing it there now instead. Which is the better platform to play it on? I I think I prefer playing it on the computer because I think manipulating it with a mouse I find to be better for myself versus a fi- like doing it with my fingers like it's it, it's fine I think it just depends on what you prefer as a game player some people really love just doing it with their fingers I prefer the mouse but they they both work I would say equally well I have two questions two questions one why would you not want all achievements straight away? Um, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't care. The problem is that the way the story is presented is it's presented as a book and each kind of chapter flips the book. So when you've beaten the game, you're at the end of the book and uh. you can cycle back. But as soon as you go to the next chapter and beat it, you're now back at the end. So it's just it's jarring right. in the way that the the flow goes so it's just it's just annoying it doesn't really ruin it i would say but it's just it's annoying because it feels like you're kind of coming in second hand and you're now having to figure oh i gotta flip all the way back to chapter three. Oh, i beat chapter three now i gotta flip all the way back and you lose any sense of where the hell you are in the game my second question is there a landscaping achievement <laughs> i haven't gotten it yet but God, there, there probably is in the DLC, I would imagine. Perfect. All so, right. yeah. I don't hate him.
there's a feature amongst iCloud and iOS called calls on other devices. Do you both have this turned on? Partly. Yes. I, I've decided that I cannot stand it and I've turned it off because I realized almost all of the time, all of my devices are within a very short distance from me. And on the rare chances that I'm getting phone calls to have one, two, five devices start ringing with a stupid ringtone and then to hit one of those devices to shut it off, they might all stop. Maybe not. It is maddening. The funniest thing about it is of all the things that my phone could do, phone calls are the thing I care about the absolute least. Why am I driving myself insane having it happen on 16,000 devices at once? Yeah, so I turned it off, and you know what? It's so much better. It's one of those features where you're like, oh, that's super cool. Obviously, I need to have that. You know what? No, you don't. You really don't. Turn it off. Totally agree. If you need to get a phone call, pick up your phone. Just don't stop driving yourself crazy. Yeah, I agree. It's really annoying. It's anxiety-inducing enough to get a phone call to begin with, to have eight devices all start ringing. Uh, your anxiety levels just shoot through yeah. the roof. It's one of the coolest proof of concept uh, features to say like, check this out. You get a phone call, which is this weird, not analog anymore, but this weird like phone system thing coming in and all your other devices that don't have a phone in them ring and you can answer. And it's like, oh, that's so cool and useful. And then it's just like, no, actually, I've got a thousand devices ringing at me at once and it makes me want to crawl in a hole. Phone is like the somehow it survived being the ultimate interruption device, and people put up with it. They don't put up with interruption anywhere else. Time sh- everything else is time shifted, except phone calls somehow have this special place in people's minds that it can annoy you or interrupt you at any point in the day. Yeah, I, I could see if there were some, and it doesn't work unless the phone is next to them as well, which is the other piece of it, right? Where it's like, oh, well, that means I could just take my iPad with me when I leave that. No. The phone has to be within like a distance. So if it's close enough to be able to do the call, your phone is close enough to just do it on the phone. So I don't know. I I came to this weird realization. I'm like, I don't need this and I don't think I want it. And I think I'm better off for it. So is it fair to say this is our first ever hemispheric hot tip? Ooh, hot. Ooh, look at that. We got a new sound now. Hot tip. I don't know how that sounded, but. I just had to do it. Oh, the other day when I was staying at, um, I was at Crown. I was at Crown Hotels for a couple of days. It was a delayed family break because of COVID. But we had a couple of nights at the hotel. Had to ring guest services. They have the most annoying hold thing ever because they promote their own services. But the woman who done the, who's done the voiceover shouldn't say, at Crown, we offer you fresh towels every day. She says, at Crown, we offer you fresh towels every day. At Crown, you can gamble your money away. At Crown, you can eat and it's expensive. Everything you want at Crown. <laughs> it's really annoying. That sounded really, really good and like a great 
reproduction until you said you can eat and it's really expensive. <laughs> that's how you know it's part, good. The first part rhymed even. Like it, I thought you really like it's been embedded in your head. Then you said that and I was like, oh, he's just making it up. But good effort, I have to say. Well, in Australia, everybody in Australia doesn't say crown. We say crown. Yeah, welcome to Crown, Crown Resorts. We have a Crown Street Mall in Wollongong, actually. It's like our open pedestrian zone. So from now on, I'm just going to walk in, walk in and just go, at Crown Street Mall. Self-service repair, that, that website for self-service repair. Oh, my God, that's terrible. Do you engage in a lot of self-service, Jason? I do, quite often, yeah. Three, three to six times a day, usually. Don't hurt yourself. Got a lot of things to repair. Sorry, I just realized I was swiping up and down with my little selection thing again in craft. In craft, you can edit together collaboration with craft. It seems to work best with C, C words. Or the Grand Canyon. Grand if you did that, Canyon. maybe that would work. Mm. Tours and adventures. Yeah, I think it's that I think it's that R, that second R really sets it up. I <laughs> want